Hello, welcome back to Layman Learn Torah. I'm Celia. This is my co-host Joy. We are back in Brooklyn, baby. Yep. I'm reunited with my translation of the Chumash by Rabbi Arieh Kaplan. Who I, I've I never, I've never seen this before. That's interesting. So I actually love him for his um, book on Jewish meditation. He's very like Kabbalah, Zohar, whatever. Whoa. Not for that, but I happen to love him, so I'm like. He wrote a translation. I'm just going <laughs> to... Why not? I'm still using my Magerman, in case you're curious, uh, writing all over it. So we just wanted to recap a couple of things from the previous episode, uh, let you guys know a little bit about the feedback that we've been getting, which has been quite interesting. Yeah. Just today, excited. someone was kind of like frantically talking to us about like a realization that they had in Torah learning. So... Yeah. That was a really great Oh my moment. gosh, it was very fun. Was when very fun. she pulled us into her office like, you guys, come here now. We have to <laughs> Help talk. me understand this. And we're like, well, what do you need? <laughs> but we're so happy to see that we are inspiring some of you to learn Engage. Torah. Engage. Engage with your text. Read it. See what's in there. Um, we were talking it out actually with our rabbi who listened to episode one. Yes. He had a lot of feedback for us. Fantastic good. feedback. Incredibly supportive. <laughs> We didn't realize that most of the things that we were saying were already said already, but I think that gives... But I feel like that makes us cooler. Yeah, yeah. I think it gives credence to what we were saying. The foreshadowing um, the, of, oh, yes. of the, the Jews in Egypt uh, was something that was mentioned by Ramban, so good on us. Yeah, yeah. go us. We are not old men living a long time ago, but we still came to that realization. Yeah. Um, yeah, just engage with the text and you <laughs> will uncover. Uh, we also learned from our rabbi that um, it wasn't just our idea that Abraham was the first convert. Yeah, which I thought was like the most I know. thing I, I was like, we said. are so controversial. And, a, and apparently that's like what converts are called. Yeah. <laughs> apparently when a convert converts, yes. Um, when they're reading their name in Hebrew, you would say son of or daughter of. It would be Ben Avraham and right. Bat Sarah, the, the original, the OGs, the OGs of, of Judaism. Of religion and Judaism. So yes. we are, we're starting with Parak Yud Gimel. We are still in Lech Lecha. Um, so, and I've had your jingle in my head. Like, oh, Lech Lecha. I had it in my head. I had since. another one for Noah, but that's what... Okay, so if we ever backtrack to Noah, <laughs> we're going to get another song from Celia, and I look forward to that day. Okay, okay so we are going to start with Parakute Gimel, and I, I don't know about you, but, like, I, I don't know why, have this, like, fascination with Lot. Do the nephew. You? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really know a lot about Lot growing up, but in the past couple of years in reading Bereshit and, like, kind of uncovering Lot and, like, his experience... And how Moab came from Lot. I mean, we'll get into that as the chapters continue. I don't know. I've just kind of always, well, not always, but in the past couple of years, been really interested in Lot's story. So I'm pretty excited for today. And also, I feel like from a literary point of view, um, I I was always curious about Lot's place in the text. Like, what does his character offer to the plot? What does his yeah. character offer to... Abraham, even like the comparison between them. I mean, he exists as a foil, definitely, um, definitely. Like a literary foil. But which I mean, is really obvious in this pattern. Yeah, he has so like his obvious. own experience, and then I really wonder and question as to 
you know, whose fault is it? Is he completely at fault? And and the fact, or we'll get into it, but the fact that he was like raised in Abraham's household household for yeah. years and years and years and years and years. And I think know. his father was Haran. Yes. Oh, uh, let's get and, into it. So right, Haran died. Yes. And so I guess Abraham took him under his wing. Yes. So in the in in all the way back in Yud Aleph, it says. Um, Bayamat Haran um oh, yes, So Haran dies and in Ur Kastim before they even head over to Eretz yeah. Canaan. Yeah. And he had a son Lot and then um Abraham takes Lot to, into his family and he travels with him. So everywhere that Abraham has been throughout all of your bed and continuing into your Gimel, actually not so much into your Gimel, they're together and they're um I would imagine looks quite old now as well. Um, so he's been living with him for a number of years. So, yeah, and it looks like he's also been collecting wealth alongside Abraham. Oh, yeah. So much so that they that, get into a little tiff. Oh, yes. Here in So Pasuk, here we go. Pedicid yes. Gimel. Gimel yeah. opens with... Um, they were all leaving. They're leaving Egypt. Mitzrayim. They had right. all of their stuff. Um, and immediately I am struck with this way that the Torah talks about Lot. Mm-hmm. I kind of go back and I circle in, in Penic Bet. It says, um, uh, like, Lot imo. I'm with him. And Lot is with him. Yeah. And then if you continue on into, I believe it's He, Vegam le Lot haholech. Like, and also Lot went. So for me, when I read these Pesukim, I feel like Lot is treated linguistically as an appendage. Yeah. Just like this add-on, this kind of like... But also, I feel like... The Torah could have made a choice of just leaving it out, um, because they're leaving meaning out like of the story? not leaving him out of the story, but leaving those words out of the story of like, okay, we're assuming Lot was with them on the on the journey. Yeah. We don't have to hear it over and over. So there's obviously some sort of choice oh, here of for sure. reminding us, like, remember, Lot oh, was I with love them. this. Because yeah. this is actually making me feel something different. Because I usually carry around with Lot that he, you know, oh, he, you know, his father died and he was growing up in Abraham's household. Maybe he wasn't 100% sure if he was getting all of Abraham's inheritance because, I mean, that's what one would assume. Oh, I never even thought Oh, that. yeah. Oh, so I never thought Abraham that. has no children. So we, the huh. reader, and also Avram, I think, and Lot would assume, like, where, who's going to yeah. inherit all of my stuff because I yes. have no children. And Hashem has come and made him these promises that he's going to have this great inheritance. And who's and he's like, what, doing who, it all? Who's going to have yes. it? So, so according to the text up until now, one would assume it would be Lot. And then a series of unfortunate circumstances um, happen, you know, I think a lot of which are maybe Lot's fault if we read it that way. And then, but you're saying, what I, what I love so much about what you just said is that re- the Torah is reminding us Lot was there through everything. So that's what I love about 
what you said, which is that reminding us that the Torah is reminding us that Lot was with him through everything. He heard Hashem speaking with with Avram. He knew that he should stay with Avram, which brings us to the separation. So they couldn't stay together because their shepherds got into fights about the territory that their animals got to graze on. Um, so it says they were, yeah, they were unable to live side by side. So, um, so many, so this is what I have. I don't know what your translation says. It says so many were their possessions that they were unable to live side by side. I feel like this was a comment on consumerism a little bit. (laughs) No. And how like they had so much stuff. Super capitalism. And (laughs) and they were so, um, you know, obsessed with their belongings and having a lot of stuff that that became more important that, that managing that wealth became more important than maintaining than a their close. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's two really two ways that you can argue this. One would be Abraham wanted to continue having a good relationship with Lot and didn't want to cause problems. So he kind of like said, let's space. separate I yeah. need some space. That's a healthy way of like asking for something with yeah. someone that you love. Right. Give me some space, please. I remember when our daughters had a little friction last year, we also give we them told, some yeah, space. Yeah. Give space I and, think it's healthy. Yeah. And, and, and if you give someone space, then they have room to grow and they can come back. And, and that's a really positive way of looking at 100% what was happening here. Um, but I, I don't know if, if I want to look at it that way, almost like I, I want to think about it more in terms of like the story. No, because only because what happens when they separate. Right. Okay. If it had a healthy ending where they separate and Lud is like, Oh my God, I'm realizing all of these great things. And like, <laughs> but he does it. Like, I know. He separates and he's like, hmm, and he's where like, should I go? Let me settle near Sidom. And the Pasuk say Sidom is literally the worst place ever. but i love uh, but i love how it says it it's like Sidom is lush and rich and yeah. fertile and wonderful but the people are terrible yeah. so, <laughs> what a real estate ad but it was a very it, it's like a very pointed um commentary on on lot yeah it's a very pointed commentary on um his materialism yeah. his willingness to overlook the um, flaws of his neighbors for this really good grass. Yeah. <laughs> or it didn't bother him enough. It no. should have yes. bothered him more, but it didn't. Yeah. But, but so, so then really how I usually look at this is Lot felt so rejected by Abraham. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I really like I, it, in my, in my translation and I believe it's Yud. Um, Oh my God. If it says uh, Lot raised his eyes, like right after Abraham tells him, if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. And, Ooh, God, and, reading it that way, it sounds a little insulting. So, like, so, if you go that way, I'm running there. I know. <laughs> yeah, whereas, you're right. Whereas usually you're like, oh, how wonderful. He's letting him choose he, first. But really, w- the way that you can read it is like, whatever way you're going, I'm not going. I'm going the opposite way. I'm going in the opposite direction. And the next Pasuk says, Lot raises his eyes, which means they were down. The only reason that you would raise your eyes is if you were looking downward. And and looking downward is like this common motif of... I I feel feel so sad now. Exactly. (laughs) This is why I'm so fascinated by Lot. He he is 
That's so interesting. He is, in my opinion, 100% rejected by Avram. Now, the question here is, why? Why would Avram reject him? Either he had, there's something about Lot's character that we don't really know. Right. It's funny because at the end of Pasukhet, he actually says, um, uh, We're brothers. Yeah. And and we shouldn't have these fights between us. Which is... So let's put a 10-foot pole between us. But I don't even agree with that because if, let's say... we're saying, please don't let there be friction between me and you. So this is uh, Pasuk 8. Um, Abraham said to Lot, don't let there be any friction between you and between my herdmen and your, because we're brothers. But isn't the essence of family friction? Like, let's learn to get along. Or, or, or just yeah. the, the natural friction that occurs when you're so close with someone. It seems like Abraham, in the desire to smooth over his relationship with Lot, he loses his relationship with Lot. And Lot is down, has his eyes downcast. And when he raises them up, he sees this fertile land. And he's like, maybe, I don't know, feeling, I'm really reading into it here, but like feeling dejected. And he's like, you know, Abraham doesn't believe in me. I don't believe in myself. Let me just go live over there. Who who cares anymore? You know? I'm totally reading into this. I'm totally providing like these this narrative element. But I love that. But this, <laughs> but this is how I feel about Lot. And so when Lot further gets punished, I'm kind of like, is it Lot's fault at this point? Like he's been treated thus, but I don't but know. That's, so it's really funny for because now now I'm reading Pasukia Dalid in a different way where it says yeah. like. Mm-hmm. All this land is going to be yours. It literally says, after Lot left, Hashem yes. was like, all right, now that that guy's out of the way, yes. raise your eyes, look at the land, all of yeah. that is going to be yours. I'm glad you got that. Right. So mm-hmm. if, no, we, if we were still- That's how I'm reading it. <laughs> If we were still super cynical readers, we would be like, you know, Abraham's terrible and Hashem is blessing him and sending away this poor guy. Uh, but let's be like more critical readers, I think. Not in like the fall back into our old cynicism and say like, how could he do that? The takeaway here is that he pitches his tent near Sedom, but he does, we know, eventually get closer and closer and closer so and, that the people of Saddam become his neighbors yeah, yeah. the very next thing that we're going to study in Yudalid is the fact that Lot gets captured in the middle of this war he becomes a prisoner of war but it's only because he's he living in Saddam yeah, he's kind of getting oh he's in punished there. for he is waiting there but I think that that's a comment on on Lot which is okay you pitched your tent like listen we can make all the excuses that we want for Lot that he originally pitched his tent there and his eyes were downcast and he was hurt and so he went to this fertile land and maybe he didn't realize what he was getting into but I but in the next pedic we learn he's living amongst them yeah and I want to say something about your comment about like if we were still cynical whatever um whether we are or not there is a lot of pruning that goes on in the torah there is a lot of like characters that are cut out um and i think it's a very conscious decision on um 
the Torah or Hashem's part to say, um, okay, there are these two guys, there's Noah and the rest of his generation. Yeah. Um, oh, even, even before that, even Cain and Hevel, there are these two guys cutting Cain out, kind of like Hevel's uh, sacrifice is better. Okay, there's Noah and the rest of his generation pruning out the population of the entire world, mm-hmm. picking Noah. I have Abraham and Lot mm-hmm. pruning that, okay. Lot's out, choosing Abraham. I have Yitzhak and Ishmael. Ishmael, you're out. That's a really good There's point. There's a lot. And I feel like each one of these choices says something else about the kind of nation that Hashem wants his chosen nation to be. So what is this pruning saying? It's saying we're not a nation that cares only for how rich and fertile a land is. We're not a nation that cares for um, riches only, but we're a nation that should care about the kind of people that we surround ourselves with, should care about the influence that our environment has (laughs) on us. I don't know. That's a... I don't know. We can still be cynical, but we could also see like, all right, there's a device here. I I did not consider this. I see what you're doing here, Hashem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Literally. Oh, God. I have to put my hair up for this. Go, go. Oh, my God. I wish I had a pony for you. Then we have the war. The war. First of all, I could not even understand these first few Pesukim. I read them over like four times and it's too many, it's too many people. Okay. And then I was like, maybe I should like make a list and like these guys. And Wait, these can I guys. tell you the funniest thing? What? I remember Another being... song? No, but I remember being tested on the names. That's absurd. Yes. I remember having to learn, oh, Amraphel was the king of Shinar and Arioch was the king of Elazar. And I read it now and I'm like, wow, I was a genius third grader. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did you get it right on the test? Probably. Okay, good for you. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was failing everything, but here I am now. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. I did not wake up to life until much later. Okay. I can't even imagine what that kind of joy is. We right. have this weird war. Yeah, super weird. Between. I don't even know. So there are nine kings, and eight of them serve under Hadar Omer, the king of Elam. Um, and then five of them revolt okay. because they don't want to be under his Rulership. rule anymore. Is rulership a word? Rulership. Rain? Maybe. Rain. Okay. I should know this. <laughs> Come on, Joy. Okay. Sodom and Amora were part of the five revolting nations mm-hmm. or revolting cities, and Khadar La Omer beats them, takes all of their people captive, and among their people is our newly sympathetic character. Very new. <laughs> Lots. Lots. Um, and then Avram hears about it. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And then we learn about Avram the warrior. I know. Because so far he's like a very spiritual, kind, patriarch yeah. kind of character. Sitting and all of a sudden, tent, yeah. like just relaxing. <laughs> no? And all of a sudden he has... 318 fighting men who had been born to his house. So, like, 
there are these warriors who were born in his head. It literally says. Trained men. Yes. So he's been training them in these camps or like tents or areas where he's been living and traveling this whole time from place to place to place. He's living with this caravan of trained warriors. Yes, with his, with his secret service. <laughs> and then <laughs> he gathers the troops mm-hmm. and they attack the invaders and they win everything. What I found interesting <clears throat> is actually in this scene, there. Um, and the king of Sidom said to Avram, give me the people and keep the possessions for yourself. Why would he want people over possessions? And do you think it feeds into Sidom as we know it and how the people were terrible, but the land was fertile? Like there feels to me some connection here where Sidom is valuing the influence that he could have over a person okay. as a kind of commodity versus I was action. thinking that exact word. Yeah, it's like a commodification yeah. of people, like um, their worth and value as a follower or doing like what we would call wrong, but they would say is just your average Wednesday. Um, maybe right. is like, more What does he want with valuable? Those? Yeah. But also... I'm kind of worried for the people because of everything oh, yeah. that we know about Sodom and Amora. Oh, 100%. Afterward. If he's saying, give me the people, and we know how Sodom treats people, it's like, um, should I give you these people? Right. So I'm, right. What? Yeah, what, is what does he, he want to do with these people? Is he enslaving these people? Is he harming these people? And it's funny how I, I'm reading it in this very unctuous and oily voice, yeah. like... Oh, thank you so much for saving us, Abraham. You know what? Like, um, thanks Ooh. for rescuing my people. You can give them to me, back to me now. You can keep all the stuff. Super oily, because, like, don't ask too many questions. Just hand over the people, and mm-hmm. you can keep all of that and just be on your so, way. Yeah. Um, but does he give the people? What happens no, after? I, love, I actually love what he says. He says, not a thread nor a shoelace. I will not take anything that is yours Because I don't want you to say that you made Abraham rich. Mm -hmm. He kind of says something like, I don't want anything from you. Yeah. He also needs to be able to say or show that everything comes from Hashem. Everything. And if he takes a single thing or shoelace, it's great. And they have shoelaces. Yeah. By the way, I remember thinking that in third grade, when I learned this, I remember thinking like, they they tied their shoes Shoes? like me? I mean, I I don't think so. I don't think they tied their shoes like us, but I wonder what shoes looked like back then. (laughs) We'll look it up later. We'll look it up. (laughs) And we'll make sure to let you guys (laughs) figure out how to insert an image into the video. Um... So, but I feel like this also speaks to my question from last week of why Abraham. This answer, the answer here is definitely, number one, he's putting all of his faith in Hashem. He is not leaving any room for doubt about where his luck or or victories come from. Mm -hmm. And, And also his choice of land 
um, when he separates from law, that also is a reflection on Abram. So I think, I yeah. think we have some solid answers to that question. Yeah, I think we're going to continue right to uncover that question the more that we explore the decisions that Abram makes, um, which I think a lot of it feeds into the idea of like tremendous chesed and how he does have this loving kindness and will go and rescue Lot despite you know, their separation and knowing that he's not going to be part of his nation. Mm-hmm. As soon as he leaves, like we've discussed, as soon as he leaves, Hashem's like, okay, to your people, I'm going to give this land. So he knows Lot's not his people. But the Pasuk says, I'm uh, Yodalid, it says, when Abram heard that his own kinsmen had been taken captive, like Abram still considers him kin. His, his kin, yeah. his people. And so even though he knows that his descendants are not going to be from Lot, um, or continue through him, he doesn't let go. And, and despite who Lot becomes, which is, you know, making a lot of poor decisions and moving next to Sodom and then migrating and living inside Sodom, really being like taken into Sodom. Avram's still there. He's still there for him. And the second he finds out that he's captured, he goes and he saves him. With his 318 warriors, Buddha. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And then, but he does, let's, you know, you know, call spade a spade in Perek Tetvav, which is um, chapter 15. Um, Avram says in Pasuk Oh, yeah. Bet, but Abraham said, my Lord God, what will you have given me if I remain childless? And the one who will take charge of my household is Eliezer. Meaning before when the assumption was that his inheritance is going to go to Lot, Abraham is with it enough to say it can't be Lot at this point. It's not going to be Lot it literally for sure. Lot. Yeah. Um, maybe it will be Eliezer because he's been following me around, didn't, you know, veer off to go to Sodom. I think it's also interesting that um, we're well into the story. We're well into the promises that Hashem is making. And I kind of love Avram's comfort in um, expressing his doubt to Hashem. Mm -hmm. Not in a way of like, I don't really believe in any of this stuff. but, But more in the way of like, no... Help me. Love that you're promising all these things. But it's not making sense. Yeah, where yeah. where is it going? One plus one can only equal two when you see the other one there, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, if you don't see anything there, it's like, mm, nothing's going to happen. And he literally says, is a servant going to inherit my things? Yeah. At which, I mean, I feel like... Valid. Yeah, valid. valid. And like, that's where they, where they were headed. That's why it's hard to believe, kind of. Which is why, like, in the first episode, we were saying, like, belief is super hard. Um, Avram has a problem with it, too. I noticed two things that kind of mirror something that we were talking about last episode with the mirroring in Misraim. Mm -hmm. And I noticed two more things that mirror Misraim. I hope I don't forget them in my rant. But it's also making me wonder if all of Torah is written in order to discuss Mitzrayim. Okay. I know Mitzrayim's a biggie. I first of all, like the fact that we have all of Shemot, we're brought out of Egypt, and then we're given the Torah. So I feel like I don't know a lot hinges on it, and and here are two more reasons why I think that. The first one is there's a mirror here with Lot moving 
closer and closer to Sedom. Okay. So I'm going to take you into Mitzrayim. Take me take on a journey. Take you on a journey. Yeah. Okay. Yosef comes down. He becomes viceroy, uh, super in charge, and Yaakov brings everyone down, and they're all living in. He makes sure, Yosef makes sure to put everybody in Goshen. Yeah. Separate. Mm -hmm. However, on Pesach, do we not always talk about Hashem has to Pasach? He has to pass Pass over over the the Mitzrayim to only save the Jewish people. Or he we, passes over the Jewish people to only kill them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so the idea here is that while after several generations, they have been separated and living in oh, Goshen. They're kind of among this, each other. Oh. This draw of assimilation that Lot is experiencing is mirroring this assimilation that plagues the descendants of Yosef living in Goshen and then kind of trickle into main cities and live amongst the Misrim. Yeah, and how many times did we hear B'nai Israel in the desert complaining like, we had it so good in Egypt? Yeah, and then the second comparison I found, which like stopped me in my tracks, was um, Perek Vav, chapter 15, where we go to Pasuk Vav, he meaning Hashem told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur Hasidim to give you this land and to possess it. I was like, oh my God, my whole life, all I've been hearing is, I am the God. That's all we hear, all day long. And this whole time it's been sitting in Bereshit, in Lech Lecha, where he's from the jump. I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur Kastim. And I'm like, hmm, okay. That's so funny because it's making it like Ur Kastim was just as much of a crucible yeah it's hell as Mitzrayim was or it's like, Avram's version of a hell yes yeah like but but imagine it because B'nai Israel at least had a background they mm. at least had a familial connection a spiritual connection with with the, the gods of their fathers mm-hmm. the god of their fathers um Abraham had none of that yeah. Abraham literally had to like come up with the idea of <sighs> one god out of nowhere. Yeah, he kind of just so good idea. Yeah, so I I definitely see a parallel there. I'm um, wondering. I I would actually love to track this with you as just we wow, just continue, like does everything crazy. big bring us back to Mitzrayim? Like everything? Well, I don't. Know. I mean, the rest of this panic is literally a prophecy about Mitzrayim. Oh, this is like there. the big mm-hmm. giant, the big reveal pact between. Um, Hashem and Abraham. It's called Brit Ben Habitarim. I love this. It's called the pact between halves because what it involved was Abraham taking a bunch of animals, <laughs> cutting them in half, and walking between the halves. Oh, did he walk between them? Yes, but I wish I had it. When my son was in second grade and he was learning this parasha, they had to make a, <laughs> a drawing on a test of anything that happened in the parasha, mm. he literally draw halves of drew halves of animals, <laughs> <laughs> like blood everywhere, X's on the eyes, and then like Abraham just sleeping. That's in so the fun. <laughs> I was like, Joe, what is this? He's like, I'm like, oh, oh my god, okay, I get it. okay. I hope you got a hundred. Good job, Joe. <laughs> <I did. laughs> Good for him. Anyways, 
So Abraham walks between the animals, and then you get this really spooky vision, mm -hmm. okay? Um, by he Hashemesh Wait, Lavo. what pasuk are you on? Oh, sorry, I'm on pasuk Yudbet, 12. Okay. Oh, yeah, Hashemesh yeah. Lavo, the sun is setting. Tardema nafla al Abraham. A, a um, trance fell onto Abraham. Hine ema chashecha gedola nofelet alav. Ema is like a dread, a terror. Mm falls upon him this is like this is very spooky to me because yeah. i it's it's very visual the sun was setting yeah Abraham fell into a trance and then he's like i just imagine him shaking like yeah but there's also um you know you feel it in your bones i have heightened oh, senses it's all mm -hmm. off awful but in the, the very, actual yeah, definition the actual of definition awful. not the terrible but the full, full of, of awe. Awe. yes <laughs> the not original. awesome that's very like ooh. okay um and then he gives the prophecy about Mitzrayim and that harkens back to our first episode your people will be a stranger mm -hmm. in a land that is not theirs for 400 years yeah and it's talking about Mitzrayim there and yeah. and and it just keeps bringing back the point of Mitzrayim is the crux of their experience. The suffering. The suffering it's, it's that we had to go through. Yeah. And also it creates a nation who is sensitive to suffering. Oh, I love that. Which I think is so much a part of Jewish culture oh, and life wow. and mitzvot and commandments that we have that we are obligated to feel and do for, for the people underdogs. Yeah. for sure that we are the under we are the ultimate underdog so recently i finished as a driven leaf mm -hmm. uh as a book club book for the bit midrash couldn't attend the book club but in the book there is a part where the estranged elisha ben abuya who leaves who is excommunicated from um israel from the jewish nation from the sanhedrin he watches a slave market exchange going on. And then he happens to mention to his very good companion, like, I just watched you buy a slave the same way that you would buy a, a pot or a piece mm. of meat. Right. And the woman says, like, yeah, it, it's a slave. Like, how do you want me to treat it? And, and it's, this part where it really hits home for Elisha, like just how different Judaism is from um, the Hellenistic culture that that he's surrounded by at this moment, and he kind of asks himself, like, is it a good thing that I feel so bad for this? Like, why am I the weird guy here yeah. for thinking that this human should be treated as a human? And that kind of brought um, to light just how revolutionary it was that we should have laws in the Torah to protect even the slave. Yeah. And that a slave should always have um, a, a way out, uh, that he shouldn't stay a slave for his entire life. It, it, it just hit me then, like, how amazing it is. How just. How, how just. Be because we started out at the bottom, 
Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we have con- to. we're constantly saying or being told that we have to recite because we were slaves in Egypt. Like, because we were there, we understand Always. what it's like. Yes. And I think that this, you know, this idea that we are going to be strangers in a strange land, I think it begins with Avram. You know, he is a, probably a stranger amongst his family, even living in Orkestim. He was probably like the weird guy, you know, yes. like thinking, yes. <laughs> thinking the of Thinking, oh, but he's, yes. a, he's a black sheep, but he's like the white, whatever that, you know, whatever you want to call him. Yes. But I, I think that he is different. And I think that when people talk about Jews or the Jewish religion, you know, many people will say, oh, they're special. But it's it's not, yes, we're special. Hashem chose us. But it's it's really the definition is we're separate. Yes. Right. When you're it's when you're kadosh, it doesn't yes. necessarily translate as holy. It it translates as separate. We are separate from other people, and we have to keep ourselves separate because we have to remember that we follow. Yes, the laws of the country that we're living in, but we have a whole other set of laws that we need to follow that constantly remind us what it is to be an ethical person living you know, even in our time or, you know, any time, really, this is, this book is eternal, um, and how to treat people and how to be, you know, just and right to everyone around us. And we're constantly saying, you know, don't forget the orphan, the widow, you know, give, you know, your the convert, the convert, the, yes. the, give your taxes to, you know, the people around you. And every if a fruit falls from your tree outside of your property, you can't pick it you up. You can't pick it up. Yeah. You have to leave it for somebody. Mm-hmm. There's all of these laws that, that, protect that that some would think are so dated and like why do I need this and it doesn't matter but things have been adapted over time and the point is to remind us to be a nation that cares for other people because we once knew what it was like to not be cared for I would I would think yes and it was absolutely necessary for us to go through that um yeah it it literally says they will be enslaved and oppressed. You must know this. Yeah. You know, I, I'm giving your nation everything. You are my chosen ones. But this has to happen. It has to happen this way. Mm-hmm. I will judge the land, you know, the nation that, that, that um, causes their suffering. I'll get them out. They'll have great wealth. They'll get this land. But before all that, they must go through this suffering Mm -hmm. um in order to learn and to become right and i hate to compare it to like all the other really not great things that have happened to jews in our recent history even but yeah i you know it's like the hot the one that you can't touch but um after everything it just makes me feel like what i have is so valuable especially Mm -hmm. You know what? My father called me the other day and he actually saw it. He watched oh, this video? I watched it. Oh he my did. God. Hi, Baba. <laughs> you so don't know what this means. He's like, you know, when you get up to Shema, you're going to have to talk about how you, uh, no, he was talking about uh, how Abraham came out of Orkastim. He's like, you're going to talk about your father coming out of Chalab. You know, Orkastim, you know, Abraham passed through Chalab. He was so <laughs> excited about all of these things about Aleppo and how it fits into everything. Oh my and I'm God. like, um, but I want to say like, even our families, our communities, Exodus from Arab lands, 
how much more tightly do we hold on to our yeah. tradition because of that persecution? Okay, we're going to end right there. Good place um, to end. I think Brit Ben Abitarim was oh, yeah. a nice... Secured us for many, many generations to follow. <laughs> <laughs> um, next week, we're going to talk about Ishmael. Mm-hmm, that'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much. If you have any feedback for us... Questions. You know what? Hold on to your feedback (laughs) for now. And if we can answer them, we'll try our very best. If we can, we'll ask our rabbi. Yeah. Unless Uh, you're on TikTok, you people are crazy. It's midrash. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we'll see you next time on Layman Learn Torah. See you next time.